I don't understand. I've never considered committing suicide. I'm a pimp. And pimps don't commit suicide. Pimps don't commit suicide. But I wish I had when watching this movie. This is oh, Southland oh, Tale Spoilers. Jeez! Sorry. Oh, yeah. This is your host, Stevie, and today we are hosting a very special episode, whether it's great or not, yet to be seen, but we are doing a Patreon pick from David S. Hey, David, you're the man. Rock hard, David S. Rock hard, Vigo Patreon, David S. The proper way to do it. Thank you, Pappy. Um, Yeah, today we're spoiling the 2000... I believe seven. Is it six? Uh, six, I think. But I think it was six at Cannes. Six. The distant future, the year two thousand eight. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> we're doing the Richard Kelly sophomore effort, the much anticipated what was Southland Tales, and oh boy, is this this is a fat movie if I ever seen one. Um, today we are gonna go. Let's go from east to west, and David. Oh, what a shocker! David has an opening question for us. I hope you guys thought about this. Mm. The question is: the world is about to end. Oh shit! Hypothetical, of course, because you know two Sean William Scotts aren't touching right now. What movie <laughs> are you watching before the end? And his end of his message said, "Take care, pimps." Oh, yeah, that's nice. Yeah, okay. have a nice send off. Well, for a while there, watching the movie, I thought the world was ending. So, um, <laughs> is that send off as good as the Wu Tang thing, though? It's way better. I don't like to pit Patreon people, uh, our Patreons, against each other. So, okay, let it okay. just be unique in its own way. Let's just say this movie is the master killer of movies. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> All my Wu Tang fans out there. I'm just kidding. I like him. Okay, so I'm up, right? Yep. Yeah, this is Brett recording out of Fort Wayne. Uh, let's see. It's tough. You could go with pure comedy. You could go with scrappy underdog. You could go with end of the world. But I'm going to go with all three, and I'm going to pick my favorite movie, and that is Ghostbusters 1984. Uh, this is Pappy, now the, the second most Isis. Wow. Um, oh, my God. I didn't even think about that. I was so confused for a second. From Weestus to Eastus. Um, Let's go. Kalamazoo, Michigan. I I actually hadn't thought about this because I watched this movie twice and it <laughs> occupied so much space <laughs> in my brain. <laughs> Spent five hours with the Southland Tales boys. Um, Got to go with the easy one, Muppet Christmas Carol. I need a little gonzo in my life. I need a little wholesomeness. Oh. I need some Michael Caine singing Monica. to go out. Yeah, I, I know. It's, it's my favorite movie. So you got to go with your favorite movie. You only got one left, I think. Unless it's like Schindler's List or something. Top movie of the 90s. <laughs> Check out the Cine Study episode where I, we rank them. 
You don't want to do something like Manchester by the Sea or like Schindler's <laughs> List for this. Well, I, I guess, do I want the time to feel as long as possible before my inevitable demise? Because exactly. I'm going to pick Southland Tales because it's going to feel like <laughs> 10 hours I have left. That segues well into me, Josh from Goshen, because that was my whole angle on this was like somehow the amount of time the movie takes place like extends the Armageddon. So there's this, mo- there's this Argentinian movie called La Flor. It's like 13 hours long. Just a little trivia nugget for you there. I'll choose that, even though I've never seen it. Give me some more time, bro. Wait, so does the world not end until the movie is over, or is the world ending while you're watching this movie? The movie gods hold back the end of the end of the world for this apocalypse, I think. That's how I look at it. Uh, yeah, Mikey recording from Goshen. I had a similar plan as Josh, but I was going to go with a movie that I wanted to see and not just the longest movie ever. <laughs> uh, so I was going <laughs> to choose like Lawrence of Arabia or I don't know, last ditch effort, English patient, very no. long movie. Ben-Hur. <laughs> Ben-Hur would be a good one. I don't know. Certainly. Directors cut of Once Upon a Time in America is like five hours long. There you go. Uh, certainly not this movie, because I think I just uh, speed up the process myself and put a bullet <laughs> in my own head. <laughs> Finally, if this was the last movie. <laughs> Mikey's hitting fast forward towards the end of the yeah. world. <laughs> Let's just get this over with. Oh, this is Stevie recording out of Elkhart. Um, what movie would I watch? If there- See, there's so many different ways to go about this. So, you know, the most cliche version of me would say Mad Max Fury Road and probably just walk outside after, you know, them going into the storm or all the witnesses. Um, (laughs) Just getting amped up, you know, all shiny and chrome. Mediocre! Yeah, pretty much. Like, once, like, those start coming on, like, it's like, okay, let's just walk outside and do this. Um, Man, out of pure joy, though... I'd probably put on Moana and just sing all the songs. Mm, I'd be comfortable with that. That's a good one. Moana or Lilo and Stitch, one of the island Disney movies, one of them. You could have gone with Logistics, which is the longest movie ever made. It's 35 days and 17 hours long. What is that movie? It's called Logistics. It's oh, it's a called Logistics? Film. At that yeah. point, it's just like being on death row for a month. That's terrifying. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that does sound a little more appealing than watching this movie again. But, (laughs) Brett, we're going to kick this to you. Oh, okay. I describe this movie, if someone asked me what Southland Tales is about, Mm. or, you know, how I felt, what is this, how would you describe this movie? It's almost like (sighs) parents trying to tell their children they're getting divorced and not going the long way about it. (laughs) What? I would compare it. To when that one time when the pilgrims ruined the American Indian orgy of freedom, that's kind of what I would compare it to. Um, no, I mean, I'm trying to be nice because okay, Brett, let's do this. How does this movie start? Where are we? We're in Southland, uh, LA. Uh, we our California correspondent's not here, so uh, we're in LA. It's like a three day heat wave. A, Apparently, that's what they say in the summary of the movie, but I don't know if they ever say that. And this big old bomb goes off, and then we just get into, like, the busiest exposition, like, eight minutes of exposition ever. I think 
Pappy, I, I don't want to spoil what he said to me, but says the worst opening 10 minutes of a movie he's ever seen. <laughs> I um, think quite literally it's the worst opening to a movie I've ever seen. What makes it so bad? Dude, they introduced 19 different <laughs> things. It's, it's so crazy. This is... You asked like how I would describe this movie. Is it? It's supposed to be a satire, right? Like it's supposed to be a comedy of sorts. That misses the mark, heavy. I, I mean, I didn't know what I was getting into, and and the first ten minutes takes itself so seriously, and it's like the worst kind of exposition with like a news and a timeline and, and a Timberlake. I, I don't know. Also, terrible CGI. Yeah. Whatever fake news show they're trying to put on looks absolutely terrible and fake. I saw a review and the guy said, and I agree with it, it's a biblical time travel thriller farce, political satire, surrealist film, neo-noir, sci-fi, melodrama mystery. That is way too many things. I would also posit like a satire of what? All those things? Because that's like ridiculous. (laughs) But again, my thing, my vocab word that I just kept repeating in my mind over and over again today was convoluted. I, I might say oh, that yeah. a thousand times on this podcast. I'm going to try to withhold saying it, but just know I'm going to be wanting to say the word convoluted all night. I'm, I'm with you, Josh. I said it multiple times last night. You can just look at my conversation with Pappy today. I mean, it's that's the perfect word for this. And like I said to you, how could a movie that has so many things in it be so boring? We should mention that we spoiled Donnie Darko, his previous movie one of my all-time favorite movies i was telling yes. stevie it reminds me a lot of when paul thomas anderson did magnolia yes which like this is not even in the same fucking ballpark of or like league of like movies as magnolia but like just getting too big for your britches out over your skis <laughs> trying to bite off too much i mean this is like a, an epic, sprawling I, I, all of those adjectives you usually describe like the genre of the movie he wasn't Richard Kelly isn't capable of making a movie like this. Like, honestly, he's not, it's not in his wheelhouse. Is it kind of like, and I actually like these movies more than you guys, I'm sure, but like kind of an M. Night Shyamalan thing where like his first movie, first two movies were, you could say masterpieces or borderline masterpieces. And then he like got such a hard on for that feeling of blowing people's minds. First two were invincible in Sixth Sense, right? And then, like, kept trying to replicate that. That's what I meant. Yeah. yeah. Unbreakable. He kept trying to replicate that. And while well, I like his middle movies more than most, they're not as good as the other ones. And now he's just still trying to get out of that rut. And I don't know if he... Ambitious. Overly ambitious is a th- perfect word or words for what this movie was. And, well, I- and another pair... Sorry, go ahead, Josh. Well, I was just going to say, like, the whole world that he built includes graphic novels that he wrote yeah as far as what from what i understand after the production of the movie Mm. so like the ordering and the scope like i'm sorry it just doesn't make sense it's just not a smart way to go about it no why and and another reason like i compare this to magnolia right is paul thomas anderson made boogie nights hailed as a masterpiece but everyone says oh there's these parallels to to nashville and and kind of the sprawling cast he makes magnolia which is like that but on steroids (laughs) the exact same thing this feels like donnie darko but on steroids with like all these other like weird themes and political commentaries like mushed into it And, and i don't know why 
why does the sci-fi element need to be present if he's going to be talking about all these other things? Why is it in the future? It's not like Donnie Darko at all. In this, there's three days to the end of the world. And in Donnie Darko, there's 28 days to the end of the True. world. Okay, that's way different. What range? Why is this movie in the future, though? Why? This movie could have taken place without the future nonsense. We got to justify the cool military guys running all over the Jesus all over Venice Christ. Beach. <laughs> Worst narrator ever. I mean, I love JTT. I love JT. Excuse me, oh, but like, oh my the god, most random... the absolute fucking worst. I hated it, Brett. Good point. <laughs> that was the worst. And it's like I also thought, man, his southern accent is really bad for someone who's from Memphis. Dissenting liberal extremist cells began to emerge. The most vocal of which were the neo-Marxists. <laughs> The 2008 presidential election was to be decided by the electoral votes of just one state. As the Republicans raced to secure California for the first time since 1988. On June 27, 2008, boxer Santeros, a famous actor with ties to the Republican Party, vanished without a trace. Oh my god, he's the worst. It seemed like Richard Kelly wanted to like pull a... Tarantino, John Travolta casting yes. move for every single person in this movie. Well, what? Go ahead. I, I... We are shot out of a cannon tonight. We are on fucking fire talking about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Brett was feeling feisty in the thread all day. I think Justin Timberlake is a fine actor. I think he was. I think he was yeah. great in Alpha Dog. I think he was amazing in Social Network. I think. Yeah, I like Justin Timberlake. He's a good actor. What in the hell he was doing in this movie is so beyond me. Because it's, and maybe I hate his narrating. It's probably my least favorite narration I've ever heard in a movie in my life. <laughs> a lot of Bible mm. scripture. Hate the beard. I hate the beard. Hate the hair. Ugh. But not just that. Maybe I'm in the minority, That, but the I Got Soul, I Got a Soldier is the most annoying scene oh. in this entire movie to me. Like, it is, I hate it. It just reminds me of like, a, like a low-budget Big Lebowski. That's all it reminds me of. That's really interesting you bring that up because it made me think of the Bowling Alley dream sequence. Yes. Except with 0% of the magic <laughs> or fantasy of that. Or payoff. It just looks like the people just standing there in real life or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it made me hate the killers <laughs> a little <laughs> bit more. I love the killers, man. Stop yeah, that. and I like that yeah. band. That's what he's saying. It made him hate it because it's just yeah, weird. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty fucked up there, Richard I, Kelly. I fuck mean, you. There's so many. Like, think about this: how talented Justin Timberlake is as a performer. Right. Like, he's a fantastic dancer. And the Coen Brothers, their geniuses, had the wherewithal to be like, "Yeah, let's have Jeff Bridges like walk down these stairs in a really cool way, and it'll tie the entire scene together." And then Richard Kelly has this amazing performer. Like a dynamite performer. And he literally just has him walk around an arcade, like mouthing words. We got another beer here. Pour that beer on your head and oh, we'll have a hot chick pass one to you. <laughs> oh, dude. Timberlake is in uh, that Coen Brothers movie uh, that we just watched. Inside Lewin Davis? Yeah. And he's oh, so true. much better in that. It's fun to watch. <laughs> I was thinking Big Lebowski the whole time I was watching this, too. And it's just like. We talked about this again on the, the Cine Study Pod, I think, second reference for that. Make sure you subscribe to Film Dylan. But we talked about saying, we said that 
it was convoluted for the sake of being convoluted, right? And yes. you're kind of in the mind of the dude, the, the stoner guy who has no idea what's going on and he's like unwillingly fall into this mystery. This this movie is so fucking confusing <laughs> on a first watch and a second watch. It's like I can we can we try and like pull apart the the story? What story is there, Pap? What story? You know, I've been listening to Quentin Tarantino interviews a lot lately. I've just been obsessed with like all the old Charlie Rose ones and everything. And one of the mm-hmm. things he says in multiple interviews is about how the movie makes it makes a difference when you're watching if you can trust that you're in good hands. Yes. And there's like no point in this movie where you do feel like that. So like the confusion just kind of like lasts and pisses you off. There's no payoff that I can like I don't know. There's not much satisfying in watching a movie like that, I guess. Well, it's kind of funny you say that, Josh. I was talking to Pappy earlier, and I'm happy you brought up Quentin Tarantino, because I think, you know, you talk about being in good hands. I think he's one of the few, and he's not the only one, but he's one of the few writer-directors where you can have a sprawling story with a ton of different characters, and when characters meet, there's an immediate tension where you're like, wow, this is cool. And in this movie... When, you know, there's, there's these sprawling characters in a sprawling story. Whenever these characters meet, there's zero tension and it drives me insane. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, compare it to like a Robert Altman movie or another Patreon request movie we had, Boogie Nights, when the characters come together, you feel like you understand who they are as characters and more importantly, what they want as characters, what their motivations yes. are. And there's so many like so much double crossing and, and so much lying and so much obfuscation that the characters are doing to each other. That's it's so unclear. It's like, like, I don't even know. Um, what's, what's this guy's name from the princess bride future. Wallace Shawn. Wallace Shawn. Like what side is he, what does he want? What is Wallace Shawn? Who is, I guess the big, the, the bad guy in this movie. What does he want to accomplish? He wants to control the world, right? Destroy capitalism, kill God. All that stuff, yeah, he says. All stuff that liberals dream of, apparently. Our mission is to destroy capitalism. Dethrone God. Did you guys catch that Sarah Michelle Geller is a psychic? <sighs> I I guess. When did that happen? <laughs> uh, I, I think the main thing is like the script or something, but oh I always God. thought it was because the, the Rock wrote that because he was in the future. But apparently... I didn't understand that. There's like his initial screenplay, the way he described it was like about two twin cops, uh, the the boxer character, and a, and a psychic porn star. But you don't even know uh-huh. she's a psychic porn star. <laughs> oh, brother, this guy stinks! <laughs> <laughs> Mikey on the soundboard. Dude, I'm glad you guys are explaining stuff because I, I, for my undiagnosed ADD or ADHD, this was absolute hell. I had no fucking clue what was going on in this movie. And I was just like mentally checked out, just looking at my phone and looking up. Uh oh, Sean, Sean William Scott just dropped the N word with a very hard oh R. God. And then look down, back down at my phone. Look up. There's two Sean William Scotts. Uh, Amy Poehler is wearing a 
awful prosthetic <laughs> nose. <laughs> I don't know anything that's going on in this movie. That's probably my favorite part of the hey, entire movie. Mikey, I think I can help you out here. Here's a little bit of revelation that could, re- I mean, that, that can help you out. <laughs> revelation 21, and God wiped away the tears. So that. That's it. That's all I'm going to say. Um, but I'm pretty sure that that narration just helped you out, right? You know what's going on now? Justin Timberlake cosplaying as Venom Snake. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know Venom why Snake. he's uh, a sniper on the beach. You guys know me after almost 400 episodes of this show. I love biblical references and movies. Yes. But you have to tie it somewhat to the plot or what you're seeing on screen. Yeah, it's just incoherent rambling from... JT. <laughs> it's kind of like, to me, you, you brought up the script with The Rock. Um, I hate that. I think it's incredibly self-indulgent to say, you know, I have a script. And then explaining the movie through the script that The Rock had written. And then also somewhere along the way, pull a bow finger and think in The Rock believes now that he is that actor. It's so asinine to me. But I think also to put biblical references into a movie without tying it in at all, it's just kind of self-masturbatory at that point. Well, and like the references that are there too, like there's a presidential candidate named Frost. And at one point he he quotes Robert Frost stomping in the woods like miles to go before I sleep. But he says it multiple times. It's like, this is so on the nose. And I don't think this is serving any purpose other than I read one of the most famous poems of all time type things, right? Like, what is, why? Hey, I want to make sure you get this reference. I'm going to keep saying this line over and over again. <sighs> the world doesn't end with a bang. It ends with a whimper, Mikey. Uh, T.S. Eliot. So yes. Wait, wait, wait. That's not just T.S. Eliot. That's T.S. Eliot, but switched around. It's supposed oh. to be not with a bang, but with a whimper. Ooh. So isn't that edgy, guys? <sighs> oh, wow. That's, it is that's edgy. clever as fuck. Um, <laughs> like Jeez. we talked about this on Donnie Darko like that is like a classic smoking weed in college watching this movie like oh whoa man type thing I feel like that's this movie that it's like catered to <laughs> like I'm not I know a little bit about the world I'm really high and this is oh this man this movie speaking some truths man like whoa. what if T.S. Eliot was wrong and it's not a whimper man <laughs> it really is a bang <laughs> So, Josh, can you explain to me what the Sean William Scott twins are? Okay, so apparently if you go through this rift, you Where'd come the rift back come with... Where did the rift come from? Are you going to make me go back oh, like we're 14 steps here? Yeah, yeah, we're getting into it. Okay, I think that when the perpetual motion machine was made... Right, mm-hmm. it created a small rift in time. Yeah, mm-hmm. and to experiment with it, they couldn't use animal. You know, I'm making it sound actually pretty cool right now. But when <laughs> when they're experimenting <laughs> with it, they use monkeys, and monkeys don't have a soul, so they would just perish. But humans could like travel. Oh Jesus! Where I where I get lost though is if a human comes back, there's now two of them, and it's sort of like this whole Loki or like Rick and Morty thing where there's ultimate dimension alternate dimensions and i do kind of like the premise that like back to the future if you meet yourself like the world could implode but this movie takes that like to the nth degree literally like if mm-hmm. sean william scott meets himself and shakes hands um i don't know 
am I going? Am I jumping like way too back and forth here? No, I don't Josh, know how else to do it. You're making this a coherent <laughs> story somehow. So please keep going. Well, one of my favorite parts about that, uh, Josh, before you keep going, is um, at one point they're like they're explaining that they they first tried to send monkeys through the dimension in the Rockos. But an ape soul can't survive an interdimensional rift. <laughs> and Zelda from uh, fucking Poltergeist <laughs> is like, correct, we knew that. Correct. So that's why. We- <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen 12 monkeys in 25 years. Is it like I saw that they borrowed from that? Is that the part they borrowed? Like you can't send monkeys back? I imagine. Or- I just. It's funny you bring that up. I just watched 12 monkeys two weeks ago. It's still a good movie. Uh, I saw it once. I was way too young to watch it. Yeah, it's still. But- Scarred. They also, like, that's kind of a cool idea if it's just based on Sean William Scott, but also neo-Marxists are using Sean William Scott to get to The Rock to film him in a undesirable situation to then blackmail The Rock's father-in-law, who is in politics, so the neo-Marxists can win the election. Is that correct? Yeah. Fuck me. Hold on a second though. When the when these twins come back, one's either dead or has amnesia. Yeah. Whereas the other one seemingly remembers everything. Mm-hmm. But has PTSD. Is that right? Actually, I was trying what? to ask that question. Like, why does Sean William Scott have amnesia? One of the versions. Why? <sighs> so Maybe it was in the movie, maybe not. I was trying to do a lot of research in the prequels, the prequel graphic novels, because I should have to do that when watching a movie. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But um, apparently, it's like a 65-minute bridge between the rift, right? You go through it, and you go back in time. Was it 65 minutes or seconds? 65 minutes. Yeah. And in the... Prequels, it explains it, I guess. I don't know. I I really don't. Also, in the prequels, they explained it that Sean William Scott's character thought he killed Justin Timberlake in Iraq. Fallujah. That's why he was like so... I don't know. There's a whole thing. Friendly fire, man. So Stifler friendly fired Justin Timberlake. I think he hit him with a grenade. And that's the whole thing at the end where he's like, I forgive you. He's like forgiving him. Himself. He's forgiving himself for killing a guy he did not kill. I'm still trying to figure out the like the one of the last lines where he's like, Ronald Tavener, he's my best friend. I'm like, where did that come from? <laughs> Dude, was anybody else shocked by that? He's Jesus, so like he has Jesus in his heart, but Jesus is uh stifler. Uh, I was more shocked by the two Jeep Wranglers fucking in the cyber (laughs) CGI driveway. It's the European version. The line after that was pretty, like, it's terrible as, I mean, the Frost guy had made, like, two lines maybe that that made me kind of laugh. Is he the one that said, like, noticed that they were two cars having sex? Yeah. He's like, what did I just watch? (laughs) Yeah. And then at the end, when he's like... Is this supposed to be an orgy? Like that or whatever. I was like, that made me chuckle a little bit, I guess. The only part I laughed is when Sean William Scott said he hadn't pooped in a week. (laughs) 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 Can we actually do that, Stevie? What's that? Can we can we do like a round of cheers to positivity? 
maybe some things that oh, are. I thought you were gonna say, can we actually not? Poop we, for I a thought week? you were gonna say yeah, that. Yeah, no, we yeah. can't do that. <laughs> not gonna. Like I'm not gonna not poop. For, do you know how irritable my bowels are, Josh? I literally started googling how long can you go without pooping <laughs> when you started that question. <laughs> I mean, what do you want to do though, Josh? Like maybe like a positive moment. We could each take a second and say something positive about the movie. Okay, you're right. I have oh, yeah. been jumping on this. How about every once in a while we do that, like okay, for David's yeah. sake? So okay, yeah, yeah. I'll give myself amnesia and pretend I haven't watched this movie. And so <laughs> the one positive thing I could take from this movie is seeing Christopher Lambert in another movie, uh, just because there can only be one. <laughs> And I love him as Raiden. Free movie club. And um, why won't anybody fight me? Yeah, exactly. I wish he kind of would have threw that line down here. Uh, but uh, yeah, seeing Christopher Lambert on screen is is always awesome. So I'll give that a plus in this movie. Um, I'll, I'll go. I, I like. I said the the pooping thing, which was it, it sounds like you can only go a week without pooping. I mean, I guess this movie's ambitious. Right, and I also like uh, the one part where what's the drug that they're all doing? That's like injected into you. Do you bleed? <laughs> I don't like. Do that. you bleed? There's one shot where Stifler is on the drug and he's going up the stairs, and it looks kind of like I don't know, acidy. It's kind of a cool shot. I looks guess. like a scanner darkly. Mm-hmm. I appreciate the fact that even though I ripped on the casting a minute ago, and I don't think The Rock or JT are good in this. It did set a stage for them. This is skinny rock, dude. <laughs> this, like, uh, I don't know. They did end up being really good performers, and maybe he saw yeah. something in them, so I'll give him credit for that. You know when the SWAT guys are breaking into the the room, like, early on in the movie? One guy has a gun that kind of bends around a corner. I thought that was pretty cool. But um, Yeah, that's real. Yeah, that, that was pretty cool. Uh, other than that, I don't like much about this movie. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> that is called a corner shot. What is that one SNL uh, woman's name? Uh, Sherry O'Terry. Sherry O'Terry. I did like the part where she runs over the guy in the skates. Oh, I <laughs> did like funny. seeing John Lovitz get sniped. That was pretty funny. Like <laughs> <laughs> John Lovitz died. Uh. I'll throw another one out there. Uh, maybe one of my favorite cameos ever. And I actually recognized him. And I didn't have to look it up, surprisingly. But uh, when out of nowhere, the Eli Roth, a.k.a. the Bear Jew, gets shot while he's taking a crap. <laughs> yeah. That was funny. Yeah. He's not in the movie before or after. He's just there. And he gets blown off the toilet. Isn't it by like a little kid in a cop suit or something? Or? I think it's just a little person, Mikey. Yeah, there's a lot of little people running around this movie. Jeez, Mikey. Yeah. Well, he had a he had a helmet on. It never calls attention to the fact that they're little people, which is kind of refreshing. Don't worry, Pep. They'll leave it to Mikey to do that. <laughs> I'll say this though: there's one part that actually worked for me. I kind of wish that these two were the in, in the entire movie, which is Amy Poehler and uh, Dion yeah. Harris, Avon Barksdale Wood, from The Wire. Wood Harris. Oh, yeah, Wood Harris. He's so good at improv. Yeah, Wood Harris. I. I actually laughed really hard when she was like in a wedding dress and he was like in a really cheap tux. And I don't know. I, I wish those two were just in the entire movie and I needed nothing else. If you kill me, I'm going to call the cops. How are you going to call, call the cops if you're dead? <laughs> actually, the, probably the only part that I laughed out loud, at least 
is, I, I don't remember exactly what she said, but she says something like, yeah, his penis was 90 inches long or something like that. And she's like, she's she like you like that? 200 inches long. 200, yeah. Another note I'll say too, I like the, uh, I, okay, I don't think the soundtrack necessarily fits in this movie, but if I if I pass Richard Kelly the aux cord, I think I would be happy with the music he would play. Right? I, like, I like the killers and I like... Uh, Radiohead. Stevie, there's Muse. Muse is in this. Yeah. That was weird. They always, they, why does Muse always get reserved to the worst movies, Mikey? <laughs> <laughs> they really do. It's really true. Their music and Twilight, like, their first three or four albums are absolutely incredible. Yeah. And their music is never in great movies. It's always in the worst movies. Ever since Twilight. It's been downhill for Muse. All right, I think we're done with the compliments. <laughs> I think it's well. Yeah. Pap, did this... Yeah. Do you think there's a three-hour version of this movie that's good or a four-hour version? Or was this movie just destined to fail from the jump? So here's the interesting thing, and I, and I sent you the letterbox distribution, and it's one of insane. One of the most telling things. That, for those of you who don't use letterbox, first of all, congratulations. It's it's becoming film Twitter part two. Uh, oh, but, but do follow us. We're all funny on there. Mikey writes some banger reviews, um, and Brett too. Um, but the the distribution normally, right, is a normal, um, it's usually a normalized distribution, right? Sending around like a 4.0 for a good movie. If it's a bad movie, it's like a normalized distribution around like a, a 2.0, right? Like with a, a traditional graph that you would see with the tail going one way or another. <laughs> this is like all over the place. Like literally all of the bars are like almost equal on this movie. This is either like as many people think this is a half a star movie as think this is a five star movie. And when you dig into the people who think it's like a five star movie, they all reference the cut that played at Cannes. And I had no interest in seeing that. I, I only watched the theatrical cut, but by all accounts, the longer cut is better. But I, I don't know what gaps but it would fill it's in. It's literally openly booed at a film festival. I mean, how good can it be? It was booed at Cannes. Hold on yeah, a second, though. I heard that those years of cans, almost every American film was getting booed. That sounds like Netflix propaganda, Josh. There's two and a half hours here that I hate. What is an extra 30 minutes going to change? Yeah. And I'm pretty sure this wasn't just a solely American film. I'm pretty sure the Germans and the French both had a hand involved in this. They did financially. Yeah. <sighs> Stevie, though, does it impress you that <laughs> Richard Kelly managed to do at the age of 30 or 31, what George R. Martin did at the age of 70 by writing himself into a <laughs> just completely unusable, huge universe story. I, I don't know. It's similar to that. I kept coming back to that. Today. Did you read like, those graphic novels? No. Hell no. I was going to say, like, no. how, how imperative are they to the context of what's a going lot. on here? You need the graphic novels to understand anything that's happening in this movie. Um, but I get mad at, first off, it's shocking to me that there wasn't more studio oversight on a movie like this. Because no, no producer or executive at a studio could be like, oh yeah, this makes sense. So it tells me there wasn't a whole lot of oversight, probably because Donnie Darko was so incredible to begin with. But... Movies like this kill the mid-budget movie, and it makes me really sad. Because, mm -hmm. you know, why take a chance 
on, you know, like an auteur film that makes no sense whatsoever and is for a very, very small demographic. And we're going to spend $20 million on that and we're going to lose $18 million when we can spend $150 million on this built-in <laughs> IP and make a billion. Like, movies like this, I promise you, kill the mid-budget movie. It makes me really sad. $16 million budget. It actually looks pretty insane for that small of a budget. I'll give it that. 21 mil by today's standards. It has The Rock and JT. It has Skinny Rock. <laughs> Way That's cheaper. That's a big difference. By the way, I read that this was the first movie that he dropped The Rock. Was that Mikey in the thread talking about his hairline today? What's that, what's that theory, Mikey? No, he's never had a good movie when he's had hair. He's only had bangers after he Walking tall accepted okay. his fate and started shaving. The rundown was solid. Yeah, the rundown yeah, a much was better good. movie with him and Stifler. Yeah. Yeah, that that movie was was it was a good one, but I mean, yeah, you have Skinny Rock in this. You have JT still trying to find his footing as an actor, even though he's pretty much just narrating and smiling behind a sniper rifle half this movie. They had him for one day of shooting, by the way. Who's that? JT Justin Timberlake. Yep. Uh, his choreography on the Killers soundtrack was so difficult. I mean, how could he bang <laughs> it, like it out the monster one day? Ma- I keep. I can't not think of the monster match <laughs> while he's dancing in there. Also, the super weird out of nowhere dance with the four porn stars at the end, like that came out of nowhere to me. What does that mean? Like, what, that's the part where he's like, "What is this? Some kind of orgy?" Like yeah. right after that. Well, I think it's obvious. It's teen horniness is ruining our world. <sighs> uh, that's Richard Kelly hitting the same beats he hit in Donnie Darko with unironic, terrible dancing that the performers take seriously. Yeah. I actually have like a whole list of like these like little things that you can pick up that this director does Ooh. and it almost like ruins a little bit of the Donnie Darko magic for me and it's kind of making me sad. Tell us, tell us, dive in. <sighs> okay, so like shitty CGI is one thing that kind of connects the two movies. <laughs> <a> staple. <laughs> Including <laughs> like the same like metallic tube effects. <laughs> Yep. And then there's like the pop music, like punch hits interspersed with like synthy moody soundtrack. Uh, at one point in the movie, both movies, there's like a party scene with a long tracking shot, shows a bunch of characters individually, usually has like a cool song behind it. The Coco Cabana shot. Yep. And then there's the scene. Uh, what's the, what are they called? Sparkle motion? in Donnie Darko. Can't believe I just yeah. pulled that out. But nice. Yeah, they got that like dancing scene that's kind of like they're taking very seriously, but it's like a joke to the audience sort of thing. And now every time I go back and watch Donnie Darko, I'm going to be thinking of Southland Tales. That's not great. I know Stevie you said that like, you know, this couldn't have a lot of producer oversight. This is proof to me that the theatrical cut of Donnie Darko is better than the it's director's not. cut of Donnie Darko because Richard Kelly is not good at making exactly. movies. <sighs> he tried to do the same thing with Donnie Darko and overwrite it and start digging in yeah. further and further. It's really good. <laughs> Stevie. The time travel works on the, on the director's cut. It works. But I digress. One thing that really bothers me about this movie is the fact that it's in the quote-unquote future. And uh, I hate that it's in 2008 with Clinton Lieberman. That drives me insane. 
and I understand it like for political satire purposes, but it's just so stupid. Think about something like Demolition Man, the first Punishment movie we did, Stevie, which is like a political. I mean, it has like you know political messages. Hey, Schwarzenegger's governor, man, of sorts. Like, yeah, that's set in the distant future. It's weird to couch this like big political satire in like the near future. Like George Bush is still president in yeah. this movie. Was this supposed to be like a slam on the Bush era? Oh, I think I want well, that the first 10 minutes 100% is, but yeah, I, I mean, they kind of move on to bigger and worse things later on. So the one thing that really bothers me is the simple fact that like, okay, we're in the future, but they somehow made like Los Angeles really boring. Yeah. Like if you're going to tell a futuristic tale, there's a lot of directors that do the right thing with this. Like, you know, with Donnie Darko, for instance, it's in, you know, Middletown, USA, pretty much, where, you know, all the all the kids that go to school wear the exact same things. But there's things that you can make interesting about that. There's different, like, levels to it, surprisingly, that he put in it. Like, even if you watch Looper, it's set in the very much future. We spend a little bit of time in a futuristic town, but then we go to rural for the actual, the meat, you know, the meat and potatoes of the story. This movie, in my opinion, doesn't need to be in the future at all. And you could still tell a somewhat coherent story. What are the politics of Southland Tales? Like, is it like an enlightened centrist take? Like, is he, is Richard Kelly critical of the neo-Marxist in this? Is that what he's saying? He's playing both sides. (laughs) It sounded to me like, at least first 10 minutes, and I think it bled in a little bit. This is a guy who, circa 2004, whenever he started writing this stupid movie, he's like, man, I really hate the Patriot Act. I'm going to write a movie about it. And, like, I think it all spread out from there. I mean, like Josh kind of mentioned earlier, it'd take, like, these really extreme uh, directions that both political parties go. And, I mean, I guess you could say it's – I guess you could say it's uh, centrist. I mean – I don't, I don't know. It's a weird take, too, because he's like, the whole thing, right, is that they're looking for an alternative to fossil fuels. But like the, the message of the movie is almost like, beware of the knock-on effects of exploring like sustainable energy, because it might slow down the Earth by 0.000006 miles per hour or something. It doesn't, it's bizarre. Doesn't sound bad. I I don't get how The Rock had amnesia, but he remembers the script he wrote. Did he not have amnesia, or was it only 64 minutes? I thought he wrote the script after he was future Rock. In the two weeks that he was hiding? I thought that was like the what happened. I, I will take your word for it. I will take your word for it. I have no idea. Also, she's a psychic. True. Oh, yeah. I think in the prequel novels... Krista now is a stri- she's like stripping for the rock or boxer Santero, or the fuck his name is and <laughs> god I hate this movie and uh I think she's stripping she's like yeah she's doing a lap dance on him and that's how they meet and they go from there I don't know did you mine anything from the prequel novels that provides context that the rest of us like like is there anything that you learned in there that like oh this kind of makes this make sense actually you read no, I, was, I tried doing a bunch of research on him, and the only thing I could really gather from it was Sean William Scott thought he killed the pilot character that is Justin Timberlake. Um, His best there's friend. a lot more about the telepathic powers that you get with taking the red drug of fluid karma. 
like bleed. Like uh, yeah, when you take the red, you can. I think it's you can talk to other people that have also taken the red as well. Mm. Well, that doesn't make sense in itself because the one character that you said was confused, another died, are the only two characters we see on screen that take that drug. Yep. So couldn't they just talk to themselves and just be like, oh, not not dead over here. Oh, cool. You, you'd think. <laughs> you would think. Um... What do you want me to say? I, I I think I think even with the three prequels, it makes no sense. I think that's why he has to do a sequel or a Netflix series to make it make sense. Nobody's asking for that. I would ask you guys this though. I think there's a mo- there's a way to do a movie that has ambiguity and not everything makes sense, and it's still a good movie. Why doesn't this hit that mark? It's too much. It's yes. too. He's, he's way too ambitious and. I, I think uh, you, Brett, you said, was that Roper's review who called it pretentious too? Yeah. yeah. I think, uh, you know, Stevie, we did a Patreon exclusive episode on the movie Ice Road. And <sighs> one of our main complaints on that was like, there's just way too many themes. My themes, my, my themes. themes, my themes. There's just way too many themes. Like, I, I think he's just trying to talk about too many things in this movie. And he doesn't really flesh out any of them. At all, like it's almost like a commentary on celebrity, too, right? Because there's a whole side plot of those porn stars who have their own reality TV show, and they're talking about like the steady cam or whatever. And I, is that what he was going for? For why the Rock was chosen to go through the time portal? Because I don't understand why you would pick such a um, famous person, well-known, recognizable person. Yeah, because yeah. he was connected to the Republican Party. I guess, and they were trying to bring down the thing, and like trying to get two two for one, or yeah, and maybe I, I also maybe it was said in the movie, but also in the prequel novels they mentioned that like Justin Timberlake's character was also a very successful actor. Yeah, Brittany asked me about that. She's like, "When did he say he was an actor?" I said, "Trust me, they mentioned it very, very early on, very quickly." And uh, that's and he about was it. drafted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the one, it's the guy who's, my dad's your plastic surgeon, right? He was my favorite character in the whole movie. Who shoots the rocket launcher at the end. Yeah. (laughs) Which is terrible. That's a, I mean, as cool as shooting a rocket launcher (laughs) off that is, why does he commit suicide? What is this movie's view on suicide? It makes no sense. Well, he must not have been a pimp. It comes out of nowhere, right? (laughs) But he did do a pimp move at the end. Yeah. Like, why did William... what did he? What is his name? William Sean Scott, Wallace Stifler. Sean. No, no. Oh, Sean William Sean, Scott. Sean Stifler. William Scott. What did Stifler do that was so good? He forgave himself. I guess I don't know. But the dude with the rocket launcher just couldn't forgive himself. <laughs> what did he even do? Isn't the last line of the movie "Pimps don't commit suicide"? Yes, that's pretty not cool, right? But how cool? <laughs> Do you think Richard Kelly thought it was? Oh, brother, this guy stinks! <laughs> <laughs> and they had Wait just showed that. a, quote, like, cool suicide of a guy shooting a missile launcher off an ice cream truck, levitating. Yeah, he just ended the world, and he's not, he doesn't get pimp status. That's kind of, I'm with you, Josh. I didn't think about that. But it's like, if, you, if, if, if we were like, okay, Richard Kelly is lambasting the idea that pimps don't commit suicide, which... 
Not to mention in the context of 2006 United States, all of these soldiers coming back from the Iraq war yeah, with PTSD, tone deaf. dealing with severe mental health issues. It's like, okay, he's saying that like, you know, this false bravado of masculinity, pimps don't commit suicide. That's, that's silly. He's making fun of that. But to me, like the, the, the main character, Stifler, the guy who goes from the Ark, the guy who's called the Messiah at the end, says this line. You know, you know what I mean? Like, or he's embracing this line like I, I have no idea what he's trying to say about suicide and i think it is a little gross honestly I'm, can someone explain to me why are they why are they trying to blackmail roland taverner's character like why are they trying to make him look bad like they're trying to get him saying the n-word and be all racist and stuff is that no, no they, were trying to, they were trying to take down that police unit and showed that he was a racist cop okay or whatever. Okay. All right. My my gripe even with that was like, why does John Lovitz need to be a double agent Oof. along with Sherry too? Like, why can't John Lovitz just be a character that thought he rolled up on a domestic dispute and kills two people and it sends like the story sideways? Why can't that just happen? That would have made way more sense. Why does he have to have an arc of, you know, devious plans? Why does everything have to connect to everything? Why does Kevin Smith wear what he wears in this movie? I don't know. <laughs> I honestly, Stevie, do you agree with this? There might be three pretty damn decent movies in here, but instead we get one train wreck. <laughs> right. Like, I think you, like, even with Richard Kelly directing, maybe, but like, the, there's so many ideas in here. And if you pull a couple subplots out, there's there's probably some good stuff here. It's some good bones, as they would say. Yeah, like if it were a house, there are some good bones. But I mean, what is this HGTV references all now? Day we are removing the wall, pap, so it opens up the space. You got okay? a good foundation here, pal. Yeah, you got to open up the space, all right? You got to remove that wall. So, like I said, that Josh, there are some good ideas in here, but I think Richard Kelly may have worked backwards in this movie, which is. He got the idea of, wouldn't it be cool if this character was like dancing with these characters and these people, these people were watching? How do I work back to where I can still keep this in? And he's trying to like shoehorn these things in. And I think it's the really wrong way to go about it. Do you think he dreamt about that scene where the Jesus bloody face came through the shirt and he's like, I gotta, I gotta write a movie about that and I go in <laughs> reverse there? I could see that. I mean, I think there's a few things where it's like, yeah, wouldn't it be cool if, you know... One of my characters was on drugs and doing the killers while a bunch of, <laughs> you know, B-grade Marilyn Monroe's were dancing around. I mean, I don't know, but... B-grade Marilyn Manson's more like it. I know. Uh, but as I said, there's some cool ideas here, but they're just... It's a, it's a mess. That JT scene, I've heard, is like the most famous scene from this movie, actually. Yeah, and I actually saw a really bad review of this, and that he said that was the ba the only good scene in the movie. And I, I'm with you guys. I don't like it, and I think it's again just a really interesting contrast against the Big Lebowski bowling alley scene. How do you try and top that? I don't know if something about the way it's shot in Big Lebowski tells you. Like, first of all, again, you're in good hands, and this is a dream sequence. Clearly. I don't know what I'm watching in Southland Tales. I don't know what that's supposed to mean when he's doing that at all. Yeah, there's like no effects on camera. Like 
you just assume it's JT walking around in real life in this what arcade or something. But yeah, with Lebowski, at least you like, oh, it's much more surreal. He's climbing an infinite staircase and stuff, and Justin Timberlake <laughs> is walking around. Cash he has Nihilus with giant scissors chasing him. I thought he just murdered the kid that sold him weed or whatever <laughs> after he wakes up with his blood all over. I was like, what is happening in this movie? It's so cringy when he like is holding his dog tag. He's like, but I'm not a soldier. Like mouthing that. Like that made me physically cringe both times I watched it. Why? Like why the need to mouth the song though? And why would they be listening to the killers in this future? Yeah. Has no one else made a hit bop about not <laughs> wanting to be a soldier in this future? I mean, Pap, wasn't that song on an Olympic commercial for a long time? I mean, the Killers did get play for a while, well into the late aughts, I feel like. I, that, I like that the part Killers, though. true. Yeah. I, I like them less now with Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> Don't blame them. <laughs> I hope Richard Kelly paid them. I really do, or at least the studio paid them somewhat for being a part of this movie, but... um. I hope they didn't take points on the box office like Scarlett Johansson. Oh, they really Bubba. lost out on that. Hey, Stevie, I got a question for you. Yeah. What is a better scene involving cars having sex? This or in The Counselor where she has sex with the car? Great question. That actually is a good question. I'll go with The Counselor all day. <laughs> I mean, Ooh, that... split is screen. Is that including the story, though, that he tells? I mean, the story's so bad. Like he's acting like it's the funniest thing Both in the world. Both answers wrong. Anytime Dom Toretto was working on his car, is much more sexual. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. unfair. I mean, though. Just the way he looks at a car is more sexual. But I mean, yeah, the counselor. At least, I mean, the counselor had a very incoherent story too. That had so many questions, you know, left on the table. But this, this to me, almost seems like performance art, where it's, you know, I'll film these really cool scenes that really aren't anything special to begin with. And, you know, the people can interpret it as they want to. And I find that incredibly annoying for a two and a half hour movie. Apparently he was trying to do like something that's called like pop art, which like, I guess can work and not work. Like someone said, spring breakers is considered pop art, but it, that actually kind of works. Great movie. But this is just like a failure in that regard. I don't know. Trying to get like a bunch of, I don't know. I, I can't describe it. I, I don't know. I'd rather watch The Counselor. Andy Warhol's pop art, and that's good. Do you guys get a little bit of uh, like B-rate Fifth Element from it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Except that's yeah. actually set in the future. Yeah. Like it uh, the be. first thing I thought of was like Starship Troopers or whatever. Yeah, and, with all the new mm-hmm. stuff, Mikey. Yeah. Kind of like the way... It feels how it's filmed or whatever. It feels. I don't know if it feels cheap in how it's filmed but it's just like oh uh we didn't put the most effort into like this location so it looks clearly like oh we spray painted all the walls really quick before uh we did this shoot today so it's not mm-hmm. not authentic but it's we at least try to make it look like this is a, a dump even though it's like just a technically a set or whatever i don't know it looks very cheap it's such a good example of saying the fifth element and Starship Troopers, because usually when people are trying to make a political statement about, you know, current policies or something, they don't overtly say the policy, right? They, within the story, you, you see the parallels in between and you trust your audience to be able to draw those parallels and those conclusions. Like it's so lazy to just overtly like talk about the Patriot Act 
right? And then to have George Bush in it, it's just lazy. It was, it was made to not age well because it's it's painted into this box of between 2006 and 2008. Like what you're talking about, like uh, uh, like you said, Starship Troopers. That's like uh, a political satire, a political commentary on uh, global war and crap like that. But that yeah. is bad of a movie as that is and fun. You know, 50 years from now, that'll still resonate where this you think like Gen Zers who don't know who like Larry Bird is, you think they're going to know like what the Patriot in 20 years are going to know like who's George Bush. I mean, I don't know. I mean, they might know, but I doubt it. Yeah. It'd be like making a movie about like the COVID relief bill and then like (laughs) making it so fucking weird and terrible that like (laughs) that is now the new worst movie ever made. We actually are probably going to do that movie because that guy did pay us $10. But then like when you... (laughs) couch it in real life like then it opens up all these like cinema sins plot hole things right like cal like the, the election hinges on california potentially going red for the first time i got news for you if california is going red democrats aren't winning that fucking election you know what i mean if, no. if, if that's up california is in play for the republicans the election's fucking over my friend yeah makes no sense another movie that came to my mind that this is like a second rate version of is idiocracy because see i was thinking the same thing i do think there is some truth to this right i do think our society has gone way further bipolar since this is this movie and like there's some other little things like uh like celebrity and porn and like that is all like mixed up in political stuff and like at the time in 2006 that seemed crazy like the last time i seen i saw this it didn't resonate with me that was like 10 or 12 years ago this time it did a little more in that way but again it's set in 2008 so it's just doesn't seem like it just seems like this guy kind of plucked a needle in a haystack it doesn't seem like he's actually prophetic in any way (laughs) brett did you find anything in your i know you looked at some of the commentary around this did you find any interesting points that other people had said about this. I didn't have time to see. No, because I just got super frustrated because everyone would be like, you're wrong. This movie's awesome. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much all it was. This, I've seen this movie 10 times and I want to see it 10 more. I'm actually interested to hear, Josh, did you get some notes from your brothers-in-law? Oh, oh my yeah. God. Can you explain some of their thinking? So that's the reason that I saw this movie 10 or 12 years ago is because my brother-in-laws, all three of them, and they don't really like each other, but they all agree <laughs> that this movie is great for some reason. <laughs> the greatest caveat ever heard. This is the one thing they agree <laughs> they on. They like this movie, not one another, but this movie. <laughs> Nothing's ever made more sense than that your brothers-in-law like this movie. I'll give you a quick little rundown of what they said. I won't read word for word, but things such as... It's actually weird and different and interesting. It's not great, but delightful um some one of the three brothers actually just really likes richard kelly's like aesthetic and cinematography and that one's kind of hard to argue with like if you actually like who said that josh actually and he specifically pointed to the scene (laughs) with like the fog and john lovett's killing people he said that scene was beautiful oh jesus oh my but i i find that hard to argue with because like if you like how someone shoots, yeah. you like how someone shoots. So whatever. But that's true. Um, People have different tastes in paintings. It's okay to <laughs> like a movie. And here, here's a big thing that a couple of them hit on. Hit on was that 
they were impressed that Richard Kelly took big swings with this movie and really took a risk with it. And that it doesn't hit all the time, but it sometimes does. And it's just kind of like, uh, I don't know. They respect how many ideas he stuffed into it, I guess. You just described modern baseball, this swing for the fences. You're going to miss 40 times, but every once in a while you're going to hit a home run. They then started talking about uh, Primer and that director. I was thinking of Primer, too. How his like uh, sophomore effort was kind of panned, and he kind of like fizzled out after that. So I think that's kind of an interesting, I guess, sort of parallel. But so I, I was kind of poking around on Letterboxd, and I found that this is part of. I, I, here's my theory. I think some people think that if I see a movie and I don't understand it, ergo it's complex and interesting and good. This is a list called "It Makes No Sense." But it compels me, though. Among the <laughs> films on this list though. are Southland Tales, The Lighthouse, Donnie Darko, Eraserhead, <laughs> Persona, and 2001 A Space Odyssey. It's like, no, this movie isn't anything like those like no. yeah. classic masterpieces. It, it's just confusing for it and yeah. convoluted. Convoluted. But I do still think Donnie Darko be- belongs on that list. Yeah. Yes, I agree. I love Donnie Darko. The theatrical cut, not Richard Kelly's <laughs> was, cut. Was the, <laughs> you hate Richard Kelly. Was the box so bad? I mean, why did he like retire after the box? Was it that bad? Wasn't that based on a really famous like short film that was like huge and viral on YouTube? Sounds about right. Do you guys remember that? The box was like one of those like late two thousands, like early two thousand nine. Okay, yeah, it's like a late two thousand movie that once again a mid budget film that. Paved the way for Marvel, I guess. It's something like uh, there's there's like a big MacGuffin in the box, like it's what you want. But if you but take somebody it, dies, but somebody, somebody dies, dies. Yeah. But then, like the twist, I think. Do you mind if I spoil it? I think the twist is like this is spoilers. I think the box goes to the next person after you choose that, and the person that dies is like the previous owner of the box. So you kind of seal your own fate, kind of like it follows. Exactly like it follows. It's a, no. it's a non-sexual that follows. God, I love that. That was a great movie. I think about that movie all the time. <laughs> so happy Mikey picked that. Can't call it non-sexual. Cameron Diaz is in it. She had sex with a car. <sighs> Back to that. God, I thought we'd never talk about that again. <laughs> oh, how horrifying. Anyway, let's get into yes or no's. Um, <laughs> Mikey... I feel like you're going to be the most honest out of all of us. Hit us with a yes or no. <laughs> it's a definite no. Uh, it's very confusing and very long and uh, frankly, very boring. There's yeah, even in my own confusion, uh, I could at <laughs> least be entertained by anything happening on screen, but none of it was entertaining to me. Uh it was just not very good in any respect, and I really don't. I don't. I don't. I don't understand what what the Rock's character is like about. I know he has amnesia and he's like figuring stuff out as he goes, but like he's sheepish at times, and then <laughs> he's like full of confidence and at other times, uh, and it's just really awkward. I don't know. He's not great in this movie. 
Uh, glad to see that he turned it around for himself. But uh, this is an absolutely terrible movie. And um, I wish Richard Kelly <laughs> nothing but the best because I don't think he's in a good place right now uh, financially, I would assume. Uh, sorry. It's a, it's a hard no. I'll go next. Uh, yeah, Richard Kelly is definitely not in a financial place to become a rock-hard Viggo Mortensen spoilers <laughs> Patreon Damn. supporter. But, David, I will say, I, we have no idea how you feel about this film. You, you mentioned when you requested it that you found us via Big Dumb Movie. Corey would be here tonight, but he's really, really sick, and that's the only reason he missed the episode. But he'll probably do a call-in um, when we post the episode for listening for that at the end. And, David... As a rock hard Vigo Mortensen, we're not done with you. Uh, we tried messaging you on Patreon, but because you're a rock hard Vigo Mortensen, you can commission literally anything. You can commission a series of movies. You can double dip on just another movie pick. You could pick a TV show. Totally up to you. Can't thank you enough for supporting us at that level. But I would say you got your money's worth with this one, pal. You definitely put us through the ringer. A hard no for me. Um, you know, I, I think if a lot of people took the time to think about the politics of this movie, the enlightened centrism take the anti alternative fuels, take the tone deafness on mental health take. It's really not great what it has to say when it is saying things a lot of the times. And a lot of the other times it's just kind of fucking boring and confusing hard, hard. No. And honestly, Maybe one of the five worst movies I've ever seen in my entire life. I don't say that lightly. Hard no. This is Josh from Goshen. Pap, I think maybe you tapped into something. He found us. David found us via Big Dumb Movie. This is a guy that's on the internet Googling something like Big Dumb Movies. It's the kind of movie he likes. I bet David finds us maybe like a guilty pleasure type movie. I think yeah. there's a lot of like individual scenes that are entertaining in here. There's a lot of faces that are entertaining to see in this movie. But that said, it's definitely a no for me. I don't think I could possibly like recommend to someone to see this, especially considering how long it is. Uh, I had a huge list of like the director tendencies. Um, I forgot to mention the eyeball injury that you see up close and that someone's hit <laughs> by a car oh, yeah. and killed. Mm. There's probably more that I missed too. Um, I just don't like seeing that repeat in a sophomore effort, especially one that has so many ideas. Like, take those repeat ideas out. Just go ahead and edit this shit down, Richard Kelly. Go ahead. <laughs> um, I don't know. There's a lot of nonsense, nonsensicalness. It's not so good that it's. It's not so bad that it's good. It's just. It's just a no. Sorry, I'm rambling, but Josh from Goshen, no. Okay, I'll go. Um, I was just gonna do something simple, but now I don't. I don't think I can. I wish. I think. I wish there was a hole that opened up in the space-time continuum. I wish Richard Kelly could go back in time and just not make this movie. Um, <laughs> I've said no to I don't know very few movies. But then we'd have two Richard Kellys. It'd be hell. If, yeah, if me and my cousin Richard. <laughs> held hands we could make this movie not happen um if if people listen to me on i think i said this today and i think it says everything about i, I think it's just worse than the counselor i think it's worse than los enchiladas people i've heard me complain about evil dead too i i said today 
This movie makes Evil Dead 2 look like The Godfather. Um, Thank you. I'll finish off with my review on Letterboxd. I'll quote The Rock. This is a steaming, stinking pile of grade A monkey crap. That's what this is. So uh, I gave it a half star. It's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Damn. Love you, love you David. <laughs> Thank you for supporting us. I'm sorry. Bye. That's one of your best yes or no's, Brett. Kudos, bro. It really is. So today, man, it's, it, this movie gets to me, dude. It bugs me. It bugged me. <laughs> Made you lose uh, respect for the killers, the rock. I love the killers. Jesus. Yeah. Sean William Scott. Um, I'll say this. I'll preempt it. I'll do a couple preempts. One, David, if you like this movie, that's great. Like whatever you like. If you hate this movie, I hope you have fun listening to us just crap all over it. (laughs) Um, I read an interview, Richard Kelly, pretty much saying he's really proud of this movie. Ugh. Um, If he's proud of it, good on him. Doesn't mean I have to be. Um, I find this movie incredibly annoying in its ambiguity. It's also a movie that waits... And that's something that drives me insane when watching movies. Um, like a little example is just like, uh, you know, a camera turning to a character and then a character says something and it's not very organic at all. This is grade A, a movie that waits. And I just, you know, people can talk about its ambitious swings and how it took chances, but in my opinion, that's lazy. I think fleshing something out is takes a lot of hard work and making something you know, that you can be proud of and it, it's actually understandable and you can comprehend it. It's hard work. And this to me is just throwing baloney at the wall and saying, well, you know, we can do, you know, it's up to the people. Well, it's not really fair to those who watch it, especially two and a half hours. Never seen a movie take two and a half hours to explain nothing. Plus two graphic novels. Mm. Amen. Yeah, I forgot. <laughs> if you read three graphic novels before watching this movie, you might have a shot. So, uh, I will give this the hardest of no's. I think this is my least favorite movie I've ever watched on this podcast. Yeah. Um, Worse and higher? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. This, That's um, not really a movie, right? It's not. It's a documentary, but Sorry, it, it's I'm frustrating. Done. Is just, you know, you get $21 million in today's money, and to take that $21 million and tell a story that's not even a story, just happenings, and trying to tie it together, it's profoundly annoying to watch. Uh, so hardest of no's for me. And and David, if you did like this movie, don't listen to us. We're just a bunch of simps. Look on YouTube. We're simps. 100%. We don't know what we're talking about. So, And David, please do give us your rock card request. You're you're one of two that we're waiting on. And you can pick <laughs> please literally don't be anything. This movie again. Let it be the sequel to Southland Tales. Please let it be the sequel when it comes you out. You can have us pitch sequels to Southland Tales if you want. The sky is your limit, David. The only person I'm simping is David himself. I had a blast shitting on this movie with you guys. I it love was it. It's fun talking about this movie. <laughs> I just don't want to watch this movie again. I'll gladly talk about it. David. I just don't ever want to watch it. David, like, fuck you! I almost quit this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I almost quit after the counselor, and this one was yeah, even this closer. Was even worse. Uh, Our patrons are just signing up to see if they can break Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> oh Thank my God, God for that's Mikey. hilarious! Uh, before we get into trivia, Josh, you said there's some great ideas underneath the Silver Lake surface of this movie. 
Um, which idea would you roll with just for a standalone movie? You know, I think you do a whole standalone movie on your reflection in the mirror having a delay. That's like 10 seconds of this movie. (laughs) (laughs) That's enough. That's a full fucking movie. It's more in that movie than this movie. Yeah, 100%. Well, that's Josh's idea. I want a whole movie based around the bendy gun. Uh, Just one (laughs) one SWAT guy going around (laughs) marking everybody in a square. Let's rename it the reach around. Ooh, I like that. (laughs) Okay, let's get into trivia. Um, for yeah. this one, we will go Weesus to Eastus. Uh, so keep track of your own score as well. I'll try my best. But today we are bringing back a very fun game. We are bringing back, you guessed it, Tag, You're It. And we are going to do all the taglines from movies where The Rock is at least the top four built. Oh, wow. The ones that I picked. So who's Weesus? The guys are all a little clustered now. Mikey, yeah, it might be, uh, it might be me. What's your closest okay, so county road, Mikey? You know what? So we'll go, go Mikey, George. Yeah. Then we'll go Pappy. I'm not gonna dox myself. <laughs> and then we shall go Brett. Okay, you ready, Mikey? You're first up. Yes. And winner gets to tell everybody what's coming down the pipeline and take us out to spoilers, man. But. First tagline is, remember, these are rock movies starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. The sky is the limit. The sky is the limit. Uh, Sounds like an aerial-based rock movie. Um, Ooh. You know what? I have an idea of what the movie is because uh, uh, I'm a little spurned by this movie because uh, (laughs) uh, the electricity went out when I went to go see this in theater and I never got a refund back or went to go see it again. I think it's Skyscraper. I think it's Skyscraper. Would you go Linway? Yeah, I went to Linway, but like there was a thunderstorm or something and then... They're the worst, but it is Skyscraper. Yes, nice. Wow. (sighs) That is awesome. I thought that was going to be a tough one. (laughs) <laughs> Mikey's got his own cheer block over there. <laughs> okay, next. Josh. Yes. The tooth hurts. <laughs> the tooth? The tooth hurts. Oh my god. I really like should I know it, Brett? No. No, it's uh, your kids I- just missed it. Oh gosh! Uh, just so I s- say, guess I'll say. Oh, he was like in a sort of like the nanny sort of movie. Mm-hmm. The tooth fits. Is that what you said? The tooth hurts. Nothing but the tooth. <sighs> Fuck. Uh, Fast Five. What? Guess. <laughs> so close, Josh. That is wrong. It was Tooth Fairy. The Tooth Fairy. Oh, dang. Oh, yeah. So uh, close. Just Tooth Fairy. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that would make it too legit. Yeah. So next up is Pappy. Oi. One man will stand up for what's right. Mm, is it Walk Hard? Is that the name of the movie? 
No. <laughs> walk it's hard. Not that. Is that walk your standing tall? Wait, no, hold on, hold on. Let, let Pap get walk this. Tall? Walk tall? Is that your final answer? Walk tall? It's, it's some bullshit like that. Walk tall. <laughs> you yeah, said walk hard. Guess. That is incorrect. The correct walking answer is tall. walking tall. Oh, <gasps> God damn it. <sighs> Brett next? Yep. All right, here we go. Brett. Warrior. Legend. King. Uh, I will go with the Scorpion King. That is correct. Good nice. job, Brett. Okay, back to Mikey. One second. I'm erasing these on the fly. I'm glad I didn't get the uh, SpongeBob soundbite for when I missed mine. <laughs> oh. That was coming. Okay, Mikey, your tagline is bulls, guns, whips, and a sacred cat. What? The first word was bulls? Bulls, B-U-L-L-S, guns, mm. whips, and a sacred cat. That reminds me of Mikey's spoiler for Rambo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Check that episode out. It's the best spoiler of all time. Bulls. Um, is it the rundown? It is the rundown. Wow. Good job, Mikey. Oh my God, Mikey! Nice. That is nice. so good. How many good rounds are we doing here, Stevie? Till we're done with all twenty, Josh. Leave me alone. <laughs> good. I Just love wondering. It. Okay. Uh, next up is Josh. Yup. <sighs> San Andreas. We always <laughs> knew this day would come. <laughs> That's the tagline. That's the tagline, bro. <laughs> Uh, I should apply for one of these jobs. I could get one of these jobs. <laughs> Tagline guy, I could do that. <laughs> um, Rampage. Josh. No, Josh. Josh says the name of the movie. Josh. Josh. <laughs> the movie San Andreas. Josh. Oh no. Oh brother, <laughs> this guy stinks. It literally came out like a year. Before, after Rampage. I have never heard of this movie. What does he do in this movie? It's the earthquake. He's uh, a pilot or something. He's a helicopter Helicopter pilot, and his wife is married to another guy now. And the San Andreas Fault comes, and he has to find a way to get to his daughter, whose stepdad tried to like let her die. It's a whole thing. Listen, the first rock movie I ever saw was fucking Southland Tales, and I thought he was a (laughs) terrible actor, so I've never watched his shit. Okay, I think Pappy's next. All right, Pappy, you ready? Oh, boy. Yeah. Okay, yours is get your guard on. I don't know. Um... <sighs> get your guard on. Yeah, I heard you. Everyone's going to laugh when you miss it. It is not Moana. It is Baywatch. Oh, oh like a lifeguard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All Damn. right. Brett. Yep. Yours is one goal, a second chance. Hmm. One goal, a second chance? Okay, I'll do it in the voice. One goal, a second chance. Pretty good. Uh, 
pain and gain? I have no idea. It is not pain and gain. It is gridiron gang. Oh, I was Close. in a wedding with the guy who's in that movie. Really? Yeah, the the blonde dude, the blonde guy, the guy who's in dodgeball. I was yeah. in that. We were groomsmen in our friend Ian's wedding. Get bent helmet. Get bent helmet. Yep. Yeah, just uh, yeah, that guy. He fell off the roller coaster. Um, let's see here. Mikey, yours is... Could take a commanding lead here. The most commandings of commandings. The next level. Oh. The, the next hell. level. Damn the it. next level. I know this one. Me mm-hmm. too. Uh, next level. Uh... No idea. Um, fast five. Jumanji. Josh, what is it? Oh, sorry. Jumanji. Yeah. Jumanji. Jumanji what? The next level. The next Good level. Job. <laughs> Thank oh, you. Oh yeah, it is Good, like video game based, isn't it? Okay, Josh. This is yes. <laughs> oh boy, you're gonna hate me for this. <sighs> saving the world isn't easy. Oh no, saving the world is easy. But working together is going to be real pain in the ass. Mm, I think I know it. I want to say one of the fasts, but I don't think it is. Saving the world is easy, but working together is going to be a real pain in the pain ass. The but ass. working with Vin Diesel is going to be a real pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll just say Rampage again. What is Rampage? It is. <laughs> Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. Hobbs and Shaw. Damn yeah. it. Mm, it was a Furious. It was a Furious. Ugh. Okay, I think Pap is next. I need this to stay in the game. I'll give you a clue. Skinny no, Rock. Okay. <laughs> the oh, race. Best, best friend clues? The <laughs> race strong suit. is on. Ooh. I'm going to say... I don't even know the mm, Fast Five. I, uh, what is it, Brett? It's either the Escape from Witch Mountain or the Race to Witch Mountain or something like that, right? It's Race to Witch Mountain. Mm. Oh fuck! Okay, Brett, here's yours. Tricky one. I need, I need this. Saving the world and loving it. <laughs> Saving the world and loving it. And he's got some pretty good taglines. In his movies, the problem is he saves the world in every movie. So yeah, it's that's the, that's really the hard issue to tell. Oh, you forgot about San Andreas? He saved the movie, <laughs> the world in that one. How do you forget? Well, your tagline had San Andreas <laughs> as the first two words. <laughs> the name of the movie is San Andreas. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know, Moana. I don't know. It is get smart. Can we do a quick score check? I have I zero. I like Get Smart. I have two. I love Get Smart. I have zero. Mikey has two. George and Pappy have zero. Brett has one. How many are left? Get Smart was a lot better than it uh, could have been. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight left. Yep. Oh. Let's do it. Okay. okay. Anyone's game. Brett, you ready? <laughs> I just Not went. Really. Oh, Smart Brett turn. just went. Okay. So we have Mikey. two rounds each left. Mikey, let's do this. Big meets bigger. Big meets bigger. 
I would assume the rock is the bigger <laughs> of <laughs> uh big meets bigger. Let's see. Oh, this is rampage. This is Rampage. Yes. Oh my yes. God. Yes, yes, yes. Mikey with another one. Is it possible now, Rampage could pop up again? Like, can I keep guessing that? Or? Well, no, it's gone. Technically, no. Pappy and Josh are eliminated. Well, I'm still guessing. Yeah, still, no, yeah. I'm fine. All right, George, you ready for yours? Let's go. Have a nice apocalypse. Southland Tales? It is Southland Tales. Let's go! Oh, I wasn't even thinking about that. Good job. Oh, I'm in last. All right, Pappy, you ready? Yeah. The game has evolved. Jumanji? Jumanji what? Welcome to the jungle? Good job, Pappy. Nice. It is Welcome to the Jungle. I saw that movie in theaters, really enjoyed it. It's a the, good one. Both those movies were fun, man. Mm-hmm. All right, Brett, you ready? Yeah, I need it. I got to get the last two or I'm out. Before he was a legend, he was a man. Oof, could be anything. It's literally every story ever told. <laughs> the story of The Rock. <laughs> the Rock documentary. <laughs> Before he was a legend. Before he was a rock, he was a pebble. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Moana, I have no idea. So this is when two studios were making the exact making the exact same movie at the exact same time. One was with The Rock, and one was with the guy from Twilight. Oh, it was Hercules. Hercules, dang it. Yeah. yeah, there was a guy from Twilight. Yeah. Okay. Crap. I want to see how many of these Mikey can get. You ready, Mikey? Mm-hmm. Okay, yours is Saving the World Takes a Little Heart and a Big Johnson. <laughs> What? <laughs> mm-hmm. Gotta be a kids movie. That's it's not. One. I'm joking. Moana. <laughs> uh, why would they say Johnson? He would be playing himself? Saving the world takes a mm. little heart and a big Johnson. <gasps> oh. Uh, this is out. the Tooth Fairy, probably. Pap, right? what is I it? <laughs> I, it but it's, is it Kevin Hart? Is it's Kevin it Hart, exactly. I don't know what movie this is, though. It's is called it? Central Intelligence. Central Intelligence. Uh, yep. Because, yeah, he he drops his pants or he's naked in front of the whole school. All right. Only, yeah, last round. And he has a big wiener. <laughs> Josh, yours is The Ocean is Calling. Oh. <laughs> Oh, Moana. It is Moana. Good job, George. I wanted to say Baywatch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that could work for that. All right, Pap, yours is No One Gets Out Alive. Um, I don't know. Uh, uh, um, I don't, I, no one gets out. Escape. Rock is cooking. I got nothing. What are Mikey's favorite games? This is also also Skinny Rock. This is Doom. Oh, Oh, gosh. Oh, terrible movie. Pappy got some tough ones. Stay tuned. And Brett, this is a real tough one. Good luck to you. This is a true story. (laughs) 
be cool. Pain and gain. <gasps> oh, it is a true story. I was thinking about that earlier. Good guess. It's a messed good up guess. story too. Oh, that is Mikey. Good job, man. You know rock tackle. Yeah, Mikey's good on fire, man. Yeah. On the real one. Came with the yeah. steely the three. Matter. Good yeah. on you, George with two. Pa- Pappy and Brett one and one. Mikey, take us out, please. Mikey the Rock Johnson. Ah, uh, <laughs> David. Uh, you really tested me this week. Uh, <laughs> I just hope that you're. Uh, much more lenient if you ever choose anything else for us again. Which I mean, you're paying, you're paying that tier. You're gonna be, you're gonna be asking us to do stuff. Just please, for the love of God, take mercy <laughs> on our souls <laughs> when we're watching some of this stuff. That's painful. Uh, but yeah, thank you again for your subscription. That was that was fun. I like talking about this movie with with my friends here. That was great. Um, uh, this is where everybody asked Pappy was coming down the pipeline. All I know is that you guys are doing the green light, green night this weekend. You guys are getting together. Let's go. Hell yep. yes. The boys are getting mm-hmm. together and Pod we're watching the green time. Night. Let's go. I'll say more Patreon picks. And then what's your, what was your pick, Mikey? That's going to be coming down the, the pipeline. Oh uh, yeah. Too. I chose thief. That's going to be in a while. I don't know when we're going to get to that. That'll be in November. That's- that's a long time, honestly. <laughs> Let's not talk about that. <laughs> we're going to forget that I won, and then I'm going to get skipped somehow, and then uh, we're just gonna, <laughs> I'm going to go on another schneid. <laughs> oh, uh, my but yeah. God. Uh, Pab, is there anything else coming? Uh, coming oh, um, uh, we, uh, speaking of Patreon... Um, you guys voted, you voted on, you wanted to see a Kurt Russell movie and we collabed together, had some internal meetings and debates and we picked Captain Ron will be a Patreon exclusive episode coming soon. Captain Ron. Martin Short classic. My dad loves this movie. So does best friend Drew. Exclusive to Patreon. So as for being as little as a stauncher, you can hear Captain Ron and many other Patreon exclusive (laughs) episodes. Like, like Liam Neeson's The Ice Road. Ah. Well, once again, thanks a ton, David, for... Honestly, it was a lot of fun to talk about this movie. I think us uniting in our hatred was a lot of fun. And um, thank you for being a subscriber, obviously. Thank you for listening. And that was spoilers. Take it away, spoilers, man. Special thank you to our patrons, Matt Troll. Did you fuck him? Brother Brian. He is a pimp. Druid King. The rotation of the Earth is slowing down at a rate of 0.00000006 miles per hour each day, disrupting the chemical equilibrium in the human brain. Nick. And behold, a pale horse. And he who sat on it, his name was Death. David. You wanna fuck or watch a movie? The Meg. Clearly, your attorneys didn't read the whole contract. It stipulates a six inch margin of error in the cutting radius. Nurse Stacy. Did I just see two cars pork each other? Indeed. If you'd like to request an episode, hear your name read by Spoiler Man, or even just help us make podcasts, please check us out on patreon.com slash spoilerspodcast.
Hello, this is Corey, aka Kylo Ren Memes, doing my call-in rating for Southland Tales. Unfortunately, I was not able to be on this podcast because I have been very ill. Just know that if you're hearing this recording, it means that I have passed away from COVID. Okay, so Southland Tales is a no. (laughs) Okay, Southland Tales sets a tone at the beginning of the movie that the rest of the movie does not follow. So we have this borderline dystopian story where you're immediately told about some mysteries in the movie and you know pieces of information are going to be slowly doled out as we go through it. You have this voiceover and there's Bible verses and like a thoughtful score, a lot of nice gray-blue colors. And at some point in the movie, it becomes a cross between that and a straight-to-DVD SNL spinoff movie. Think like like The Ladies' Man, or at least something on that level. <laughs> there's, there's truly baffling tonal shifts in this movie, and I think the most jarring aspect of that is in the first half, because the performances and casting are not matching the previously set-up tone. Like, seeing Wallace Shawn and Christopher Lambert... Sherry O'Terry and John Lovitz and fucking Booger from Revenge of the Nerds. It was it was jarring, frankly. Um, you know, just based on the way this movie was initially presenting itself. It wasn't until I saw Two Cars Fucking that it clicked with me that Richard Kelly, aka Brett's dad, was trying to make a Paul Verhoeven movie. Now the problem with that is that the story is basically incomprehensible in this, and I'm. Constantly sitting here watching the movie, looking at my screen, which is showing me another screen in the movie. So there's like... Hello? Can I give you a call back in like five minutes? Okay. Love you too. So uh, there's... I assume just for the sake of cameos, also a fuck ton of characters in this movie... And they all feel so separated throughout the whole time. There's no like satisfying great expectations ending connection thread, at least as far as I'm concerned. I mean, there's touches of that, of how the characters are connected to each other, but it's definitely not threaded in a satisfying way. I think the character separation is really like best illustrated in a scene where The Rock has a conversation with Kevin Smith's character. And they're about six feet apart in the scene, but I'm pretty sure these two people were never actually in the same room. It's like the Furious 8 all over again. And, uh, you know, if they were together, they fooled me, but that's just an example of that. This movie also has the worst version of the Star-Spangled Banner I've ever heard, and we've had both Roseanne and Fergie turn in some pretty fucking bad ones. And, uh, you know, at this point, I'm just nitpicking, but fuck it. Um... The Rock, so I want to say anything he's done where he has hair is unwatchable, but man, this guy picks some pretty fucking bad movies, but I don't think anything he's ever done has annoyed me as much as him twiddling his fingers together as he kind of like rocks back and forth in fear in certain scenes in the movie. That happens a few times and he, it goes away and it comes back. I, I don't know what the fuck they're doing with that. But it was like extremely agitating for me to see that with this guy, especially given like 
how we perceive this actor. And again, this kind of goes back to like actors being in this movie in a very baffling way. Um, but yeah, The Rock wasn't doing it for me. I was scanning through some letterbox reviews and I don't know how or why people have rated this movie as high as they have. There must be something in this that I'm not seeing. There's a lot of fucking Booker Revelation shit. Maybe it's a fucking straight adaptation of that. Probably not. I don't know. I don't really care because the movie itself doesn't present something that's uh, engaging enough on its own. Putting the meaning of it all and themes aside. Now, David, this was a pick from you, our patron. Don't take this rating as a reflection on you. <laughs> I love you, man. If nothing else, this movie gave me Eli Roth getting shot and killed while on the toilet, and I respect that. So uh, that's my rating of this movie. It's a no, obviously. There's a lot to say, but I'll end it here. It's not good. Okay, so that was the podcast thing, the will. This is the living will of Corey Marshall. First up, my mint condition, still in box, Dragonzord, signed by Jason David Frank, goes to Review Dude Josh. That was spoilers.